0: How are you guys doing? So uh, in high school, I remember uh, I'm not very good at science. I am, I am not a science guy. Uh, I'm, a, I'm okay at language, okay at, uh, you know, English, and, and I was okay with, you know, some of the different subjects, but, but science I was not very good at. And in particular, I remember my junior year, I had to take chemistry, and I was, I was terrible at chemistry. And I had this exam coming up, and I was kind of stressing about it. I was thinking, man, I, I really don't remember anything uh, of anything that we've learned this entire uh, school year." And, but my teacher, there was like a miracle. She said, "Now listen, when you have this exam, I'm feeling very gracious. Everyone can get a three-by-five card, and you can put whatever you want on the three-x-5 card front and back. You can put whatever you want on it." And I was like, "Yes, this is my moment. I'm going to be able to pass this class because I get to put whatever I want on this three-x-5 card. So I go home, and I start typing on the computer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type up a, a piece of paper I can put on the 3x5 card, and uh, I start realizing how little I know from this class as I'm trying to figure out what I want to put on this card. And so I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm doing 12 font right now. Like, if I lower it, I can put more stuff on it. And then I start thinking, like, how can I, like, really, really take advantage of this? And so I put it at .5 font, which is <laughs> so small. Like, the human eye cannot see it, okay? And I literally brought in a magnifying glass, okay? And my teacher thought it was hilarious. She was like, that's great, that's awesome. Like, way to be innovative, okay? And um, I did terrible on the test. There was, there was so much on that thing. I was, like, spending the entire time. And then she was like, there's 10 minutes left. And I'd filled out, like, a quarter of it because I'd been tr- spending so much time trying to find these answers. But I remember thinking, how small can I get this font and still get away with it? Today we're talking about generosity and how in our lives, a lot of times we think, what's the least that I can give back to God and still get away with it? What's the smallest amount that I can give back to God and still be considered a good follower of Jesus, still considered a good Christian? We're in this series called Good Vibes, and it's all about how when we encounter people, We want to live such a life that when they just encounter us, they they sense something different about who we are. So we've talked about some different things, and today we are talking about generosity. How can we have a generosity that is overflowing? That when people simply encounter us, we have such a generosity that, that it changes the way that people think about God simply because of what He's doing through us in generosity we're going to look at Second Corinthians nine seven through eleven, and uh, Paul says, "You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have enough. You uh, you will always have everything you need, and plenty left over to share with others." As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take our your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So what we see here is that, that when it comes to generosity, there's motives, margin, and movement that we need to think through. But before we get into that, um, I want you to know that there is a difference between giving out of obligation and giving out of overflow. There's a difference between giving out of obligation and giving out of overflow. In 2 Corinthians 8, it says, "...they are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor." But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So you see, there's a difference between obligation and overflow. Sometimes we give out of obligation. We feel like, man, I, I should give. I'm supposed to give. I'll, I'll give. But, um, but then there's overflow where you can't help it, where you just have to give because the, God has done so much in your life. It is an overflow of joy. Uh, I have a question. Who in here enjoys dancing? Does anybody in here like like to dance? And who here is like absolutely not? Like get me off of the dance floor. Yeah, yep. So um, I remember in middle school, like I did not know like how to dance. Like I, so I remember being at this wedding. I did not want to dance at all. And um, so I'm sitting at this table and this family friend, the uh, Michael Jackson song um, came on where, uh, which one? I gotta find it. Don't stop till you get enough. That was the one. You know, it's like they're really like, don't stop till you get enough. And um the like You want the whole song? No, I'm just kidding. Um the So the this lady, she's like, This is my song, come on, let's dance. And like I had an obligation to dance because like that would have been really sad if I was like, no, absolutely not. Like sit back down. But um She's like, come on, let's dance. And so like, she's like going crazy, like, yeah. And um, I like, I looked like you drilled my feet, like something into my feet, into the ground. I didn't know I could move my feet. So I was literally like this, like, like, I look, you know, when you go to Chuck E. Cheese and they have like the electronic band, like, like, that's what I looked like. I was like, this is fine. (laughs) Great. And um, you could see a difference. Like, she was dancing out of overflow. Like, I can't help but dance. This is my song. And mine was obligation. Like, I don't want to be here. And um, I feel like that's, that's like the difference between, like, there are some people who it's just an overflow of their life. Like, I can't help but give. But then I feel like most of us probably are, are you know, obligational givers. It's like, all right, God, here you go. Here's your money. Take it. You know, and and I want to ask you, what kind of giver are you? Are you out of overflow or out of obligation? You know, imagine if 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 God used you in a way to where it's an overflow of your life, where you just have this generosity that's changing lives, and, and it's out of the overflow of what God has done in your life. So, how can we have this generosity? The very first thing is to check your motives. Check your motives. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So in this passage, we're going to walk through this passage that, that, we, uh, that, that we just saw in 2 Corinthians 9. But the, the very first part, it says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So it's saying, hey, check your motives. Don't just give because you feel pressured to. Don't just give because, you know, reluctantly or like, "Ah, I guess so, like, check your motives. Um, You know, it is so important to know our motives. I remember I was working at a camp one year, and uh, I was a counselor, and I was in charge of the red team, all right? And uh, I remember there were so many kids there, and I am really bad with names. And so, I mean, there was, there was all these kids, and, and some of the kids, I remember their names, but we had this skit that we had to do. And I remember, um, like, during the skit, I had to figure out where the kids were going to be in this skit. But the thing is, like, I had to know their names in order to, like, put them in different places. So I had this notebook, and I thought, man, I can't remember, like, half these kids' names. But I do have this strategy, or this, this, this idea. I'm going to just ask them how they spell their name. And then it looks like I just don't know the spelling of their name. You know, because like for me, my name's Brody. And some people ask like, well, how do you spell that? Oh, it's with a, with a Y. You know, so um, I'd go around and be like, hey, um, your name's, uh, how, how do you spell your name? It's like, oh, it's Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. Oh, okay, all right, all right. And it's working. And then finally I got to one girl and I was like, uh, yeah, what's, uh, how do you spell your name? She's like, my name's Mary. And I was like. With an I? She was like, you, you could just say you forgot my name. I was like, <laughs> yikes. Uh, she could see right through my motives. She knew that I wasn't asking for the spelling of her name because I didn't know the spelling of her name. I was asking because I forgot her name. She could see through my motives. And the thing is that God can see through our motives. A lot of times we'll give... And the reason that we give is because, one, is either we think that it's, it's a false thinking where if I give, then I'm just going to give so that I get more money. And, and that's, that's false motives. Or I'm going to give so that other people think that I'm better or I feel better about myself. And those are all false motives because they, they, it's all about us. You know, when we give, it should simply be because we love the people that we're giving to. Um... there's a a quote from Robert Louis Stevenson. He said, You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. So you can see you can give money. You can tithe. You can even give, but still have greed in your heart. In the the Bible, there was the, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were like the super religious people. They were all about following all the rules, but it was all about pride in their lives, being better than everyone else, thinking they could they could prove to everyone that they were closer to God through what they did. And so Jesus is talking to these people, and he says, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law. And so Jesus is saying, like, hey, like, you, they tithe. They tithe on the very smallest, like, from the, the, you know, from their herb gardens. Think about that. Like, they clip, like, one-tenth of, uh, of, like, I don't know, basil, um, there we go, I got one. Um, but, uh, so they, they tithe from the tiniest income, and, but, but it, it says later on, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You see, you can be someone that gives and tithes. You can even be giving 10% of your income, yet still have greed in your heart. Because God's saying, "Listen, I don't want—I ju- I don't just want your money. Like I want your heart, I want your motives. So, 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 be thinking through. Okay, how can I give in a way that's an overflow? You know, think about Jesus when he came down here. He didn't give to just to get. Like you think about the trade-off that he had. He gave his perfect life. He lived a perfect life, and he and he gave it on the cross." And what did he get in return? He got our sin, our brokenness, and he put it upon himself. So his giving, his generosity, was one that was not self-serving. It was, it was simply out of love, out of overflow, out of joy. And so I, I want us to, to be like that. I want us to have that sort of generosity where, where our motives are right. You know, generosity, it brings change. And, and when you give with the right motives... The generosity changes our hearts. It changes our hearts. The Bible says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, if you are, you know, think about finances and money, wherever you are putting that, that money, your heart will be also. So, when God gave us the command to give, it wasn't necessarily because He needed your money. It's because He needs your heart. He needs people that are so in love with Him so their hearts are just given to Him and not to money, to finances. Um, I remember as a kid, I used to get a $5 allowance if I, like, if I did all my chores and I worked really hard on the chores, I would get a $5 allowance. I remember my parents would tell me, listen, this is $5, but, but one-tenth of this goes into the offering plate. And so I remember like, you know, I'd go to church, and I had my two quarters, and uh, I'd place it in the offering plate. I remember being like, man, this is awesome. And, um, you know, as a kid, like, I was so glad that my parents taught me that. Because it, it, in my mind, it was so much easier back then to get in that sort of mindset of wherever my my uh, treasure is, there my heart will be. And so it's much easier as a kid. But, I, like, thinking back, um, you know, it wasn't like God was like, if I had that little kid's two quarters, man, imagine what I could do. Like, imagine that. No, it wasn't It wasn't like that. But I think God looks down and, and doesn't think like, imagine if I had their money, like what I could do. He's the creator of the universe. Like, he doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. He thinks, if I had all of their heart, imagine what I could do through them. Imagine what I could do through them. And so when we give, it's not necessarily about the... the, the the number that we are giving, it's about the amount of our heart that we are opening to God. To where we're saying, listen, I'm not going to allow money and greed to have a stranglehold in my life. You know, God can use full hearts way more than he can use full pockets. He wants to use full hearts more than full pockets. You know, And, and God knows for you, the way that he um, can use you the most is when you are most like him. And he knows the best for your life is when you're most like him. And when we are most like God is when we give. John 3.16, one of the, the most famous verses of all time, says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The entire Bible can be wrapped up in this phrase that God gave. He loved so much that he gave his son. So when we are most like God is when we are generous and, we, and when we give. But the thing is, with our human nature, we are naturally greedy. We're naturally greedy. When, you, when, you know, parents, like if those who have kids, do you have to teach your kid to be selfish? No, absolutely not. It's Like, mine, mine. You have to teach to share and to, you know, to be generous. It's not natural for us to naturally just, you know, not have greed in our heart, it naturally grows. And if it's left alone, it, it, it's like a weed. It just continues to grow and grow. And greed in our lives is something that has to be evicted. It has to be evicted. Um, you know, money has such a strong grip on our hearts. There's a reason that, you know, Jesus talked the most about money out of anything. The most about money out of anything. And it makes me think, like, why, why did he do this? Why did he talk so much about money? And the reason being, I think, is because he knew that, that money, I think, most likely is the God that people serve other than Jesus. I think it's the easiest to serve money. You know, for myself, like I, you know, I, I feel like that's so easy just to naturally slide into that position where I am just serving money. Where my entire life is about money. About how much I can accumulate. How much I can save. How much I can get. But, but Jesus wants your heart. You know, the money is the God that we worship the most. 1 Timothy 6, 9-10, through it says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Man, does that put it in perspective or not? Where it says, People who long people who long to be rich fall into temptation, are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires. And then in Matthew six, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So we have to check our motives. We have to know, okay, God, have my entire heart. I want to give in a way that, that my heart is pure. The second thing is we have to consider the margin. Consider the margin. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 8, um, the, the second part of that passage, it says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Um who here, does anybody here use Q-tips? Who uses Q-tips? Anybody? What do you guys use them on? Like what, what, what part? The ears, correct. Okay. Uh, but here's the weird thing. If you actually look at the box of Q-tips, if you actually look on it, it says, do not insert swab into ear canal. Isn't that weird? It's like, what do I use it for then? Like I don't understand. Like it's a Q-tip. It's what you use to clean out your ears. But it says, do not insert swab into ear canal. It says that you can, like, it says on the box, like, you can use it around your ear, but not in it. And it's like, well, what's the point? Washington Post, it said, like, that's like a cigarette, like, telling someone, like, it can just dangle from your lips, but, like, don't actually, like, inhale it, you know? Like, w- with a Q-tip, like, what's the point of it if you can't put it into your ear? Um, sometimes when we get margin in our lives, where God blesses us and he gives us, Um, like way more than we ever need. Sometimes we think, well, what else am I supposed to use that for? Of course, I'm just going to spend it on myself. But I want to kind of challenge that as far as our thinking when it comes to to margin in our lives. The reason that God would give you margin, the reason He would bless you above and beyond just your basic needs. And it says this in in, uh, Corinthians, it says, in the same way He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So it says you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So we see that when we get margin, when when, when God blesses us above and beyond, It's not so that we can can slip into a life of just comfort and and just giving to ourselves. The reason we get margin is that we can always be generous. So the entire reason that God blesses us is so that we can go and bless other people. Um, Increased margin should not simply increase our level of comfort, but rather our level of generosity. And what, what I mean by that is a lot of times what we do is that we have a Cost of living, where we know, okay, this is what um, I need for my family, for us to be able to live, for us to be able to, you know, have, you know, our needs met and and all these different things with our budget. But then sometimes what happens is, is let's say um, your level, your cost of living is here and then your income is here. And then let's say you like God blesses you and you get a raise. A lot of times, what people think is like because my cost of, or my income raised, then my cost of living has to match that. And so we think that we constantly have to increase our cost of living to match our income, and what God blesses us with. But but what I feel like this verse is saying is that the reason that you are enriched in every way, the reason that you have been given more. It's not necessarily so you can increase your cost of living, but so that you can be a blessing to others. And so I want to challenge you, when you get blessings in your life, when you get that margin in your life, don't necessarily view it as, okay, I need to increase my cost of living. I need to increase the way that I live. I need to get better this, 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 and this. But what if you knew your cost of living, and you knew, okay, this is what we need, And if my income increases, then my generosity increases. Imagine that. Imagine if we knew what we need, you know, for our families. And in no way am I saying that, you know, there's a passage that I'll read here in a little bit where where it says, in 2 Corinthians 8, I'll read it right now. It says, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. So it's saying, if God's blessed you above and beyond... Why not take the, like, the, the, the money that is above and beyond what you truly need and use that for some of the people that are just scraping to get by? You know, what if we had that sort of generosity? But a lot of times we think, well, I've earned this. This is, this is my money. They haven't earned it. And, um, and I get that. I do. But what, but what if we had that sort of generosity? Because like I, I don't think like Jesus thought through what was fair. You know? I'm so glad he didn't, because if he simply was like, I'm just going to give what is fair, man, I, I would have no chance at heaven. I would have no chance. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to give because I love, because I'm gracious. And, and if we have the heart of God, I feel like we need to kind of do the same thing, be willing to give, and, and, and it might not be fair. But what if we didn't have that as, as our mindset and we think, okay, God, take my margin and I want you to use it on people that are really struggling, really need this. Um, Rick and Kay Warren, man, I have so much respect for them. He, he wrote The Purpose Driven Life, which a lot of you guys have heard of, but um, it, it's like the second highest um, selling book behind, it's behind the Bible. And so it's like, you think about how much money comes in like from that, crazy, Um, But what's so cool is that Rick Warren and Kay Warren, they didn't think like, oh, we're making all this money, and so that means we're going to adjust our living to match whatever is coming in, because they're making tons of money from that book. But what they did is that, um, one, he stopped taking a, a salary from the church. He gave back everything that the church ever paid him. And then they do something called a reverse tithe, which instead of 90%... They live on and 10% to give to the church. They live on 10% and give 90 back to the church, which is incredible. And in no way am I saying, like, hey, you got to do reverse tithe. If I do reverse tithe, like, I'd have no chance of, like, surviving. But, uh, a lot of, but like, their they're thinking, though, is, like, listen, the margin that God gives us in our lives, the blessing he gives us in our lives, is not simply so we can just put it back on ourselves, it's that we can have the same heart as God, and, and just like he gave to us generously, let's give to others generously and keep it going and, and, and pass that through. Um, you know, when we consider the margin and we use it correctly, it has the ability to change your legacy. It changes your legacy. 2 Corinthians 9, 9, says, As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor, their good deeds will be remembered Forever. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. A hundred years from now, are people going to remember the size of your house? What kind of car you drove? What kind of wardrobe you had? All the stuff that you had? Probably not. But do you know what will be remembered forever? When there's a family that's struggling to get by. They don't know if they're going to be able to, to even live in their apartment the next month. They don't know where their food's coming from, and then God uses you to come through. That will be remembered forever. It will be remembered forever as your generosity. You know, a lot of you guys gave to the camp fund, and there was, there was seven kids that gave their life to Christ at crossroads summer camp. They met Jesus for the first time at crossroads summer camp, and that wouldn't have happened without your giving. That will be remembered forever. The stuff that we accumulate, no one's going to remember that. That does not add to your legacy at all. No one's going to remember that. But what will be remembered forever is the generosity, how God uses the generosity in your life. That will be remembered forever. You will leave a legacy. Uh, Winston Churchill, I used a a quote by him a couple weeks ago, and it was really good, and he has another good one. It says, uh, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That was Winston Churchill. Man, I'm glad he wasn't like a dictator because he had some really good quotes. So I'm really glad that he was a man of God. Um, <clears throat> but you won't, you won't be remembered by all this stuff that you have. Like, how many times like, is there like, a family member will pass away and, and it's like, man, we got to get rid of all their crap? You know? Like, I've heard of that so many times. And it's sad because it's like just all this stuff that we feel like, man, I need this, I need this, I need this. And we just accumulate all this stuff. And then all it becomes is something for your own kids to be like, man, we've got to figure out how to get rid of all this stuff. You know? But imagine if instead of that, your kids are left with, man, do you remember how generous mom was, how generous dad was? Do you remember how they taught us how to give out of the overflow? Do you remember when we helped out that family that didn't know how they were going to make it? you remember that like imagine leaving that for your kids instead of a bunch of stuff that will go so much further for your legacy your kids will be so much more grateful if you teach them how to evict greed out of your heart and to be generous they will remember that so i want you to to you know check your motives to consider the margin and to uh three is to create movement to create movement The last part of that passage, it says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So what we see is that it says that God provides the seed and then bread to eat. He, he provides the, the seed and then he, he increases your resources and produces a great harvest of generosity. And so picture this, like the harvest is generosity and then he gives us the seed, which is like, you know, when he provides for you, when he gives you money. But the thing is, it is up to you to plant that seed where it's supposed to go. It's up to you to plant that seed in a place that's going to increase your generosity. So the money that you have, the finances that you had, are, are you going to plant it in a place where it's just going to create more greed in your heart, more selfishness? Or are you going to plant it in a way that's going to produce generosity in your heart, that's going to show others the, the, the love that Jesus has for them? So I want to encourage you to, to create movement, to plant the seed, to take the step. Take the step. Where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Sometimes you you kind of sit and you wait and you think, "Man, I don't know. I don't know if I should give. I don't know. I don't know if God's leading me to give or to be generous." But the thing is God has already told you to be generous. It is all through his book, the Bible. If we want to be like him, man, we need to be generous. We need to give and 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 sometimes I I think that our feelings follow our actions so I want to encourage you today to take the first step. Say, okay, God, this is really hard for me. I've allowed money to be my God for so long, but I want to be generous in this way or that way. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You know, you can, what if you just thought like, okay, like I'm going to tip in a way that like makes someone's day or like, man, I'm going to give in a way to where no one even knows that, that I gave it, but I'm going to, I'm going to give in a way that, that, that helps someone else out. You know, sometimes we think, well, I don't know if God's called me to, to do this. I don't know. Um, but like I've I've got a story of like we went to camp and at camp this this guy shared this workshop on how to share your faith and, and he and he had this part in it where it's like, hey, just ask someone how you can pray for him. So I'm like sitting in the workshop and I've you know I've heard so many things like that. And I am just like, All right, cool, man, great workshop. And then um and then our teens came home. This one this one girl, like in particular, like started doing that, like, asking people, like, how they could pray, how she could pray for them, and, um, and, like, these crazy, sto- like, this crazy story developed, like, how she, like, obeyed God, and how, like, this it was so wild, it was amazing, and then, like, I was thinking, like, why am I not doing that, you know, like, I've got a student in our youth group, and yet I, I don't, I don't do that, and so, like, recently, like, a bunch of our teens have started doing this where they ask like, how can I pray for you? Like to reign in people. And you would be so surprised at, at the stories that come out of that. Like people sharing and, and the way you can share your faith with someone when you ask them how you can pray for them. And the wild thing is that like our, our students, our teens, they were just, they just assumed like, yeah, of course I'm supposed to obey this. Of course, of course I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, I'm a little older, a little more jaded. And I'm thinking like, no, nah, I don't need to do that. And then it's like, no, Yeah. I am supposed to. And then you go and you do it, and you realize like it's awkward at first, it's kind of hard at first, but then you realize, "Wow, God can use this in an amazing way. If I just simply take that step where it's kind of awkward, but I say, "Hey, is there a way I can pray for you?" You ask your waiter, your waitress, you ask a person you're talking to in line, you ask a friend, "How can I pray for you?" You ask a coworker. And I think it's the same thing with giving, and, and really every step of obedience in our lives is, at first it's kind of awkward. It's kind of hard. And if you've lived a life of where, where you're not necessarily generous, it's going to be kind of hard at first. But I want to encourage you to take that step where you give greed an eviction notice in your life. And you say, I'm not going to allow greed to, to run my life anymore. Money is a, is a terrible God. But Jesus, man, if I, if I can live like him, that's going to bring me fulfillment. 1 John 4, it says, If someone has enough money to live well and see a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Let's bring generosity to action. Let's not just talk about it, think about it, want to do it. But take the step. Do it. 2 Corinthians 8, it says, Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. You know, we can come up with so many excuses and, 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 and the devil is going to put so many thoughts in your mind of no, 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 you, you're not ready. Don't give. You can't do it. You're already, you're already trying to, to, to save up for this or do that. He's going to put in all these thoughts in your head like no, 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 you don't need to start now. Start like five years from now when you're doing better financially. But God wants you to start now. Obey right away. Robert Morris said this, you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You know, you'll never be able to afford to be generous. You'll never think that you're ready to be generous until you start doing it. You realize, man, I can't afford not to be generous. I've got to be doing these things because it will open up a joy in your life like you've never experienced. You will no longer be chasing money to find that satisfaction, to find that fulfillment. It can only be found in jesus and and the deepest satisfaction fulfillment you find is when your heart is lined up with his and he has a giving generous heart your generosity it changes your faith you will have so many stories where god came through but he wants you to be generous think about this in the bible when moses when they're standing at the red sea god said i want you to stretch out the rod, and then I'll part the seas. Moses didn't see the waters part until he put, stretched out his hand. With Noah, he said, I want you to build an ark, this gigantic boat. But Noah had not seen the water come down yet. He'd not seen the rain and the floods. You know, Peter had to take the step onto the water before he saw that his feet would stay above water. The Israelites had to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times before they saw the walls move at all. And the reason being is that God wants you to take a step of faith first and say, okay, I don't see the end result of this. I don't see where this is going. I don't see how you're going to come through for me. But I'm going to take that step anyways. I'm going to do it anyways. I want to encourage you to take the step of faith, and God will strengthen your faith as you trust him with your finances, as you say, I'm gonna be generous, I'm gonna give like you gave. And when the world says you need to have a vice grip on your money, God says, give it to me. Give it to me and watch what I can do. Watch the stories that will develop. Watch how I will provide for you in ways that you've never seen before. He promises that he will provide. You know, the, the reason that, that we can give Is because our God is such a generous giver. And like I said earlier, we have a God that didn't just tell us to give. He showed us how to give. He came down and he said, you know what? There's separation between myself and and all of these people, all of humanity, because of sin. And he decided, I am going to give. I will give my life so I can be with them. I will trade my perfect life. For their sin and their brokenness, he was the, the, it was the ultimate act of giving, where He died on a cross and He took your place because He loves you so much. I want to encourage you. I, I want to encourage you if you've never, if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, if you've never decided that you would take the death of Jesus in your place, His sacrifice on the cross. You, you may have thought, "Man, I'm." I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I can do this on my own. Or you may think, man, I'm, I'm such a bad person. There's no way he would die for me. Both of those are two of the biggest lies that anyone believes. No matter where you are right now, you have a need for God. And he has a desire to be with you. No matter where you are. So I want to encourage you. If that is you, I'm going to pray. And while I pray, I just want you to simply talk to God. He hears you simply talk to him and say, okay, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my life, my sin, my brokenness. I'm giving it to you and I'm accepting your gift of eternal life in its place. So if that's you, I want to pray. I want you to pray that while I pray. If you've already done that and, and, and say you, you just know, man, I want to be more generous. I just want you to pray to God and be like, God, allow me to have a generous heart. Allow me to, to, to give in a way that shows that I have a relationship with the greatest giver of all time. So let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we thank you. Thank you for your example on the cross of giving. We thank you that, that you showed us how to give, how to be generous. Lord, you poured out all your love on that cross and you gave it to us for free. All we had to do is bring you our sin and our brokenness and just acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. God, I pray for anyone in here who has never given their life to you. They've never decided to follow you. God, I pray that they would do that right now, right in their seat right now, that they would just give you their sin and their brokenness, and they would take the life that you offer in its place. And Jesus, I pray for for those in here who have said, man, I've allowed greed to really creep into my life. I've given out of obligation, not out of overflow. God, I pray for those people. And, and we thank you for, in advance, for the amazing stories and faith that you're going to bring into their lives. God, I pray that they would take the first step. That they would give in some way this week. Lord, that they would trust you. Lord, that, that giving graciously and lovingly is so much greater than just hanging on to everything. Lord, you're an amazing God. You're a God of miracles. You are a God that that sees us, that cares about us. You know our financial situations. God, I pray that we would give you our hearts and all of it. Jesus, I pray that we would be generous, Lord. And and when people experience us, it would raise questions as to how generous we are. That it wouldn't just be kindness or, or being nice, but Lord, they would wonder, what do they have that I don't? Why would they give in such a way? Jesus, we love you so much and we're so grateful for you. Thank you for this church. We love you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Hey, if that was you and you decided to give your life to Christ, um, I want everyone to go ahead and take out your Connect cards right now. They're in your program. Everyone go ahead and take those out. And if that was you, there's a place on there that says, uh, I'm giving my life to Jesus for the first time. What we want you to do is, you know, that's a huge deal, and we're so proud of you, and we want you just to check that and put it in the offering bucket um, as it as it comes just so that we can follow up with you, kind of let you know next steps. Um, also, you know, what a great way to follow up a, a message on generosity than to take up our tithes and offerings. So we're going to have the ushers come forward, and um, let's worship God with our giving today uh, as we end with this worship song.